This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get going. Hour three. It is a great day for talk radio, albeit a cool one. Uh, Not complaining. We're indoors, not going anywhere. Not anytime soon, according to the prime minister. Drat scourge has to do with the economy. And uh, then we defer to our friend John Turlier at the risk management consultant who specializes in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. And uh, coincidence of coincidences, John has joined us this afternoon. Hope you're keeping well, John. I'm doing very well, John. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm looking at the numbers, uh, both health-wise and economically, and, uh, boy, uh, pretty dismal stuff here going around. Let me talk about the economic numbers. I mean, uh, first of all, the markets, I guess they went for a plunge earlier on. I watched till up about noon. Uh, This Mm -hmm. thing is bouncing all around. I have no idea how you follow it. But what was the impetus for it? Uh, Did it end up on a dive? Yes, we had uh, not a huge dive compared to some of the other ones earlier uh, in in the spring, but uh, we were down on the TSX two uh, percent today. Uh, the Dow Jones was down about the same one point eight six percent over the past five days. John, uh, oil's uh, been down about fourteen percent, and uh, Canadian Western Select is trading uh, below five bucks again. But you know why why is this happening, John? Well, I, I was thinking of the best analogy to try and explain this. Uh, essentially what we have happened is, you know, imagine someone come knocking on your door in the middle of the night saying your house is on fire. They've dragged you out of your, your house uh, across the street to safety and you've turned around and you look at it and by goodness, your house is on fire. Uh, you know, we have seen economic reports and earning reports coming out today that have helped people really uh, uh, get a concrete sense of what the impact is of this COVID virus. So, for example, the U.S. industrial production uh, is down in the U.S. the most since the end of World War II. What that means, John, is, you know, we haven't had the stop in production in the U.S. since we actually stopped building tanks and planes to fight the Nazis. Um, We saw retail sales drop uh, the most since uh, 1992. That's when he started collecting the data. And, of course, we had the report from uh, the the Bank of Canada today uh, where we're looking at some pretty uh, stark scenarios. Well, yeah, uh, I guess they say the GDP is down 6.2% in the month of March alone uh, for the second quarter, which would be April, May, June. Uh, The drop is 30% in GDP, anticipated 30%. I mean, does that mean anything? I mean, it does, I know, but uh, if we can rebound and get out of it, I mean, do we just ascribe this as, you know, it's going to be the temporary bitter pill we're going to have to swallow? Well, you know, John, the the, the Bank of Canada today uh, did something quite unusual. It it stepped away from its normal economic projections uh, that you would see in its quarterly monetary report. Uh, And what that means is the Bank of Canada uh, doesn't really have the ability to forecast. What it did instead was provide us with a couple scenarios. Neither one of those scenarios uh, uh, suggests, to me anyways, that it's just about, you know, biting the bullet and things get back uh, to, you know, good times. I mean, we're looking at, uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, a drop in the economy, as you were saying, of, of you know, roughly 6% of GDP, uh, and then next year bouncing back up 4%. So there's a 2% gap there. 
uh, you know, where we're losing. Uh, that's, a, that's the best case scenario. The, the most concerning uh, comments out of the Bank of Canada today was around, you know, the pandemic and the, the economic stopping Canada. If it lasts longer, let's say, you know, through, in, you know, September, October, uh, that type of thing, uh, we're looking at long-lasting damage to the productive capacity of the Canadian economy with scarring effects from persistent unemployment and firm destruction. What that means uh, essentially is, um, you know, that fire scenario I gave you earlier, most of your house is burnt down and it's going to take years to rebuild it. So we got to get out of this quick. Well, yeah, that's the thing that's beguiling our leaders. Uh, they're just not sure about a timeline. They don't want to fix anything solid. They talk about maybe incrementally, but they're going to go by the science, or our prime minister says, says still several weeks uh, before we can even, you know, really have that discussion. Uh I don't know. I mean, what would you do uh, to make it sort of a, a soft launch to get us back to some sense of normalcy? What would you, well, and by we'll be- by what criteria then? Well, I, I think what we have to do is make sure we have this pandemic uh, in hand, meaning that uh, we have, you know, plateaued and we have, you know, you know bent the curve, as they say. Uh, and I think we're seeing that we're taught we're now hearing, uh, um, you know, people talk about glimmers of light, which is good. I think importantly, though, we look at other jurisdictions that are starting to restart their economies. For example, Austria is uh, on Tuesday uh, began uh, uh, loosening restrictions. So, for instance, smaller retail stores can start opening. Uh, however, uh, restaurants and hotels, for instance, are not going to be able to open till May. So you have a, a, a cascading effect. Uh, you maintain your physical uh, you know, distancing that we need, uh, and you ensure that you have the resources in place to deal with the, the, the upticks that you may see from time to time in this virus uh, until we actually get a vaccine. Yeah, and uh, even Quebec, you know, mechanics can go back to work, I guess, uh, as of today. And uh, they had uh, transportation uh, in in Spain. Spain has been ravaged by this. They're starting the rollout as well. Uh, so several of these areas have recognized uh, you got to get back up and running because we're told the implications for the economy, and especially if you say it's a prolonged thing where we're hunkered down, there will be systemic damage done, and uh, we may never get up off the canvas uh for a generation, if that's the case. John Turley, you're with us, risk management consultant, and he specializes in capital markets on Bay and Wall Streets. So let me ask you about all of these government assistance programs. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars now. Uh, where's that money coming from? Because there was a report earlier today, I guess, as well, where uh, the government or the Bank of Canada was buying up debt to the tune of $50 billion uh, in provincial debt anyway, and $10 billion of corporate bonds. Are the banks, uh, the Bank of Canada, the Mint, are they printing uh, the money or are they borrowing the money? Well, I mean, we, we're, we're borrowing and, and we're printing. I, when, when we talk about, uh, you know, buying bonds from provincial governments, essentially what you have is it's, it's, it's kind of like the daddy bank uh, bailing out uh, the kitty bank. Uh, uh, you know, let's say, for example, provinces near uh, bankruptcy like Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, who would not be able to uh, borrow money in, in, in capital markets uh, in this kind of environment or, or would have to pay a very high interest rate. What you have is the Bank of Canada essentially funding them. 
and you'll see that occur, I think, right across uh, the country uh, in order to ensure that the provinces remain liquid and they can uh, provide the social services that are needed. Uh, but there's no doubt we're bar- bar- borrowing this money as well. We're going into international markets, borrowing it. We can do that best as a country that is, uh, you know, under the Canadian flag. One problem with that, though, is that we, we are not the United States. We don't have a reserve currency. We can only do that for so long. Uh, we have, again, oil prices tanking, which has an impact on, on the value of our, our dollar as well. So this isn't something we can do in perpetuity. It is something that we can do in a short term. But that's why we've got to get on top of this virus and get it under control. You mentioned oil prices. I'm kind of curious because the other day the Russians and the Saudis, uh, I guess with Donald Trump's help, uh, decided they're going to cut barrel per day production from 10 million, maybe as high as 20 million barrels. I mean, that's pretty significant. Uh, How's that going to impact and does that ripple effect play into Canadian oil prices? Oh, it absolutely does. Uh, So, you know, what we have now is a massive glut uh, in the market. And the analysis that's been done on on the destruction in demand caused by the economic stop uh, puts us back about 25 years in terms of demand for oil. So that's why, despite what the Russians and the Saudis agreed to and OPEC uh, agreed to, their 10 million uh, barrel uh, cut, it really doesn't make a big difference. So, you know, we're not seeing um, that glut disappear. We're not seeing that demand disappear. For example... Canadians are not driving. Americans are not driving. Massive drops in demand for for gasoline and for diesel, uh, you know, in in North America and in in Europe. Uh, There's just nowhere to to sell this oil. Yeah, You know, when you talk about demand, I I know we have in the past as well, when it comes to businesses that want to get up uh, again and get back into uh, the swing of things and uh, bring along employees and all the rest of that, we talked even last hour with Swifty and Potsy about the small businesses, many of whom are shuttering their business uh, that they maybe uh, nurtured for 20, 30 years. Just cash flow dried up. The rents are coming due again tomorrow where uh, the landlord can take possession of uh, whatever. And uh, some have said the banks haven't been as generous as they could be. In fact, I've got complaints from people who are saying because of the deferral of their mortgage payments, uh, it's only a case of the interest then being kicked in. So you're paying interest on the interest uh, when you have to start paying after six months again. And the banks are being a little hard-hearted here because they made $41 billion in profit last year. You think they might actually loosen things up a little bit. Uh, are the people who say that wrong? Yeah, they're completely wrong. Uh, and I'll tell you why, John. You know, banks uh, uh, are not uh, privately owned in this, uh, this country. They're publicly owned, which means that you and I, pension funds, all of us own shares uh, in these banks, and we rely on them when we either invest in them uh, as shareholders or deposit money uh, in, in, in their accounts to, to repay us to repay us both the principal and the interest. This is not a problem caused by the Canadian banks. This is a problem caused by a health issue, the COVID-19. And this is why it's up to the Canadian government to step in and equip businesses so that they can survive this. And it's what I've been saying on the show for so long. We need to get money down to the street level, to Main Street as soon as possible. You know, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's like sending soldiers out to do battle, but you haven't given them anything to fight the war with. And the Canadian government has been too slow helping uh, small business and business generally. 
Yeah, we've heard that complaint even as recently as last hour. It seems like we're unanimous in that regard. Hey, speaking of the Bank of Canada, they hold the interest rates at uh, 0.25%, which I guess is, again, historically low. Could it go to zero or even to negative rates? Uh, I, I don't see that happening. I think we're at the bottom. Uh, I don't think we're going to go into negative rates in Canada. Uh, I think uh, what you're looking at now is, is what the Bank of Canada has done, and that is they're buying up provincial bonds, uh, really helping to finance the economy as best as they can, and you know, working with uh, OSFI, the regulator, to ensure that our banks are liquid and able to provide uh, you know, as many loans to, to businesses as possible to get them through this on top of what the government is uh, hopefully going to do and provide uh, effective support. When it comes to this recovery uh, we've talked about and uh, you know, the cost affixed to all of these bailout programs, if you will, uh, you've said in the past there's going to be onerous taxation. Uh, let's anticipate that. Meantime, stateside, uh, one of Trump's economic advisors was saying corporate taxes are going to have to be cut to spur economic recovery. Uh, taxes across the board. I mean, how do we sort of reconcile those two things? Well, of course, uh, we have to look at the policy options. And I think it's a bit too soon to be talking about tax cuts because we don't know what kind of debt we're dealing with. You know, we're looking at a, a deficit this year probably up in the two to $250 billion. I think once the dust settles, that's when we, we can sit around the table and figure out what the best policy options are. And remember, we have to maintain our business competitiveness. That means that, you know, our main competitors out of the United States, for instance, and out of Mexico, we need to look at their, their tax rates as well in order to maintain, uh, you know, our, our position in the market. Uh, that may mean selective tax cuts for specific industries. Uh, but I think what we're really looking at is, uh, probably higher taxes for all of us, certainly personally, uh, and uh, big uh, decisions that will have to be made on what kind of infrastructure and social programs we can afford when this is done. Well, yeah, when this is done. Uh, we hope that day comes sooner rather than later, and uh, we don't fall back in terms of having to uh, shutter things up again as we're just starting to have the discussion of opening things up. As you've said, in certain precincts, they've already begun that, and uh, we're just in the throes of having that conversation or uh, entertaining that thought. John, we'll uh, burn more bridges next week uh, okay. we'll, or talk sooner than that. I appreciate your weighing in. Thank you so much. John Turley, you're risk management consultant specializing in capital markets on Bay and Wall Street. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.